Okay, so good morning. So what we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to really be covering Icar 2. Um, but before we do that, let's just do a little bit of a, a survey, a recap survey of Icar number one. And um, with the following, we spent a little bit of time on, on the first Icar, and that is the belief in God. And um, I'd like to just go through very, very briefly, just uh, a few of the main the main directions that people go in terms of proofs. And um, what we discussed last, year, last week was the, or the week before, was the teleological proof. The proof that, uh, you know, if, you, if uh, there must be the watchmaker, the, the watch must have a watchmaker. That's what we discussed last time. Another very different track is what the Khuzari says. In, um, this is on the second page. He has a completely different track. It's not to do about looking back into creation and surmising and philosophizing and working it all out. He says a very simple thing. And that is the following in source three. The Khuzari um, is a conversation once again between the Melech Khuzar, this, um, this king who is deciding on which religion to choose, and the Chaver, who is a representative of Judaism. And this is how the, the, the conversation goes. They, um, it's about um, belief in God. So Omar Chaver, the Chaver, this is the wise man, says, so let's say somebody comes to tell you and says, you know, the king of India is a very good fellow and he's good to his subjects and he does great things and he's a very good, he's a very strong leader. Would you be in, um, and um, would you be, uh, feel, you know, he's, there's good commerce and, and fair commerce. Would you be obliged by that to, to, to have any feelings of special attentiveness towards the king of India. Now remember, this is in the day before you could, you know, go on the internet and find out anything about anybody all the time. You, you couldn't find him on LinkedIn at this point in time. So the king of India literally means is the, the fellow at the other end of the world. world. You know, there's no way of knowing anything. So here you have hearsay about this person. So would you have, um, would be obliged to believe in such a, in such a story? So Amar HaKuzari, so how can I be obliged by such a, a tale? So I don't know if um, if they're right about uh, about the, the, the uh, about them about the the, the description that re- and maybe they don't even have a king, or uh, or because of machmas malcolm or they're uh, or or they're righteous because of their king. It's not it's not clear that if I see if I if I hear the story that there's any grounds for belief. In just what they're telling me, based on what, the little the little I see, so the chaver says, But let's try change the situation," says the chaver. If they came, let's say a delegation now arrives in your palace from India, and and they come, um, and they come and they present this. The signed and sealed letter, which is from the king of 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 India, the imoy refuas she'ain refuas um oisam um oisam So and then they bring with it, they bring with them drugs that that um and and spices that, that you don't see elsewhere in the world except for they could only have come from India. The the shomeres alecha bebriyoscha and they they these they are able to maintain your health. And these special weapons, these drugs which could kill any of your enemies. That you could kill them just by, um, I guess, um, spreading or disseminating this chemical warfare. So would, you, would your tune change? 
You know, now that you got the letter and you see he has actually sent you the products of his country for the good and the bad. So what would you do? So now I would say, well, this delegation, they must have a king because I mean, they're obviously coming with real power. And I realize that what he says actually has to do with me. So now, if you're asked by your courtiers, how would you describe the king of India now? So um, the Kuzari says, So I would tell them, based on the experience of what I had by seeing this delegation, seeing what they presented, and seeing the effects of the um, of that which they brought with them from their their homeland, I could now describe what the king was is about. So this says the the Khaver is the proof. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says to Paroi. When he says, who's your God? So Moshe Rabbeinu responds, I'm the, God, I, I'm the representative of the God of the Hebrews. Because Avram, everybody knew. Avram was a legacy. He was a hero of all people. And, as I, and so therefore he says, I didn't quote who's, who, who am I represented of, the person who created the world, because nobody else knew about it, there was nobody around, humanity didn't exist until day six. And, um, and he goes on to say in, um, in, uh, in, uh, in, in the, the ensuing paragraphs that the reason why we have this belief is not because somebody told us, but because we could see the effect. We were actually present at the, um, at, um, at the, at the revelation of Egypt, the redemption of Egypt and Sinai itself. So um, um, as opposed to, this is an important point, as opposed to, as, um, as opposed to other religions where the basis of the religion is is Paul coming back and saying that he had a prophecy, or Muhammad coming back and saying he had a prophecy, um, and everybody else saying, well, you know, that sounds very logical, or um, who, who's the fellow, John Smith? Raja, um, John Smith and the, the adaptations, the dreams he had afterwards to adapt to the, to the reality. You know, in the end of the day, the, the channel of religion was all through one individual. Whereas, uh, where, uh, jo- uh, jo- Joseph Smith, thank you. Um, and um, in the end of the day, the reason why people believe is because that person had, you know, a closet experience with God, and that's what he says. You know, how do we know he wasn't having an, an epileptic fit? How do you know he didn't have indigestion that night? We don't know, but we all believe him. We, we have the belief system based on the fact that, in fact, everybody else, everybody else w- w- was there at the same time. We experienced, we experienced it. And so, therefore, um, um, when it comes to, this is, this is important when it comes to uh, um, our beliefs. So, why do we believe? So, so meaning like, okay, that, that works for that generation. So, why do we believe? Okay, because our parents told us that they were there, and why do we believe the, uh, them? Because they, they told us that their parents were there. So, okay, so maybe you, so you could say, well, you know, maybe it's just a very tall tale that a lot of people are telling. But in general, right, in, in general, when a lot of people are saying the same thing, it's very hard to make up a reality, because let's say, let's say Sinai didn't happen, right? There was no, there was no, there was no Matan Torah. So you have to complete, now you have to create a cult, which now alters the history or the memory 
of not just one person, not just two people. You have to alter the history of a nation so much so that they're going to repeat that same message from generation to generation. Um, the Sefer HaKarim, remember, the Sefer HaKarim is also working with the basic tenets of faith, uh, faith and he actually divides it into three. And number one is also belief in God. Right? So, so he has to deal with the same thing. And he says, very simple, going back to Newton's first law, that an object will remain in motion or remain at rest unless acted on by an uh, external force. Right? So that's, uh, that's what Newton, uh, Newton said. Says, says the Sefer HaKarim, actually before Newton, that, let, let, let's go back. Let's, you know, he, didn't know, he wasn't using the terminolo terminology Big Bang. But let's say there, were, there must have been a starting point, right? That's what all Ju Judaism argues, which took a little while for, his, for science to catch up. Greece thought that, that in the world was, just was, always was. But we believe that there's a starting point. So let's go one step before that starting point. So therefore there was, and we'll call it this, this, uh, you know, this hydrogen atom, which ex expanded in a marvelous rate within those few first milliseconds. But so, so what happened beforehand? Meaning, how did it get from dormancy to expansion? Like, so, so you, have, you have this, how? how? How did, if something, was a, if something had the potential to expand, and at this point in time, it isn't doing anything, so what made it expand? What changed it? If, it's in a, if, it's, if, it's, if it was in a latent state, it should remain in a latent state. There needs to be something acting on it in order to be able to open up those, that realm of possibility. The way the Sefer Eikarim says this, We must meid olav achush mizeh, miyetzias advarim in akwach elapual, nuchal lohavi moifes yuni el mesios eloika isporach al zehaderech. We can prove that God exists because there's no way for something from getting from potential to actuality without there being something or someone to trigger it. And at that point in time, there's nothing else. So what is there? So that's what the, the, the Sefer Eikarim goes. So yes. Take away the atoms. Is there stable, true nothing? Once every year, 10 years, a million years, it takes over. It's nothing else. It's no, inherently unstable at a random time. Say the same thing here. You're right, but we're talking about a uranium atom, which is inherently unstable. But it looks stable. It's it looks stable, but it isn't stable. We're talking about a mass of 243 protons. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, when we're talking, when we're talking about a hydrogen atom, which is, which is inherently stable, there's nothing else, there's nothing else that should. Right, meaning to say, you're looking at something which is inherently unstable, and its, its lack, its stability rate is, we'll call a kill, we'll call it once every so often, it will. But the, over here, we're talking about something which there was no reason for it to expand. How do you know? <laughs> Where did it come from? Right. So, so this is the, Christ. So this, this is the question. What was before? Physics struggles with this issue. Says the Sefer Ekorim over here is one of the indications that there must have been something or someone, a power or di a deity that triggered this. I find one of the most fascinating uh, lines that's taken in general. This is um, taken in in the Discovery Seminar. But Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has a book called The Letter and the Scroll. Actually, has another another name. It's called Radical Then Radical Now in um, its original in its English ver version. In fact, its readership was more non-Jewish than Jewish in the United Kingdom. It's a very, very fascinating book, it's, and it's all about the uniqueness of Judaism. <laughs> so it's a very, very fascinating book. If you have a chance to read it, it is very, very much worthwhile. Each chapter is called The Letter in the Scroll. Letter, letter in the Scroll. And so in it, he describes, he's talking at the beginning about, um, about Judaism, and he, he quotes a number of, he was talking about how Jews don't find so much special, uh, don't, don't find their uniqueness and endearment to Judaism as, per se. But he, um, he was talking about non-Jews who've looked at history. So one of the examples is Tolstoy in Anna 
Karanina, he, this is a quotation from Tolstoy on the left of page four. He says, he whom neither slaughter nor torture of thousands of years could destroy, he whom neither fire nor sword nor inquisition was able to wipe off the face of the earth, he who was the first to produce the oracles of God, he, was, he who has been for so long the guardian of prophecy and who has transmitted the rest to the world, such a nation cannot be destroyed. The Jew is, the everlasting, is everlasting as eternity itself. So when he looks at reality, looks at history, looks at history, where does he see, ultimately, he might not say to himself the same words, but where's God? God is in the very fact that, there's, that, that his agent on earth is still going, despite all this. In, uh, there was a fellow called Nikolai Verdiavev, um, and he, uh, he was actually, in fact, a communist um, thinker, and he wrote a, a treatise on communism. And he, what he did was he investigated all world cultures, and he came to the Jews, and he had to do an about-face. And he writes, in, um, he writes the following. He says, I remember how the materialistic interpretation of history um, when I attempted in my youth to verify by applying to the destinies of peoples broke down in the case of the Jews, where destiny seemed absolutely inexplicable from the materialistic standpoint. Its survival is a mysterious and wonderful phenomenon, demonstrating that the life of this people is governed by a special predetermination, transcending the processes of adaptation expounded by the materialistic interpretation of history. The survival of the Jews, their resistance to destruction, their endurance under absolutely peculiar conditions, and the faithful role played by them in history, that's an important point. It's not just that they survived, but that they carried on impacting history. That's a very important point. All these point to the particular and mysterious foundations of their destiny. Now, he's not using the word God, right? But what, but what, what essentially is, is, is he saying is that there must be something, something, what was the word he used? He said predetermination, special predetermination, right? So sometimes when you, another way of looking at, at um, or finding Hashem is not necessarily just teleologically, or whether it be in transmission or tradition, or in actually the, the idea of, of the, I guess, the, the great mover or the beginner, but just in history itself. And this is a very powerful, this is a very powerful thing, which I think where it resonates with a lot of us. Now, the reason why, that you, when you go to a discovery seminar in Aisha Torah, they do fabulous discovery seminars in Jerusalem, in the Old City, and they're really interesting. They actually do one for yeshiva guys. Now, in Karen Biavne, we do the whole yeshiva went for like a few days, and they spoke to the issue. It was very fascinating. They talk about all these types of proofs. In the end of the day, the reason why you and I believe is not because of this. These all make a lot of sense and we resonate with them and some more than others and some, right? But at the end of the day, the reason why we believe isn't all of these. You know why? Because if there was a proof which was absolutely foolproof and completely and completely irrevocable, then, there, then why isn't the entire world believing? Meaning, if, if one of these was so ironclad that there was, there was nothing else to say about it, then everybody in the world should just drop what they're doing and become either Jewish or Shiva Mitzvah Spine Noach, and that's it. What it is, is it ultimately comes back to the two words of the Rambam, and that's what we discussed last time. Is the Rambam requires us, Leida and Lahamin, to know and to believe. Leida means we study a lot of this. You know, we'll, we'll do surveys, we'll read a lot about this, and there's a lot to discuss within these and more. But in the end of the day, it's also lahamin, which means to say, to translate that knowledge into the actual way we, we, we actually conduct our regular consciousness, conscious life. That's, that's the challenge of this, of this Ikaravika, <coughs> is to integrate all the various things that we hear, which are all going to have little snippets of, that resonate in different ways to more of a composite consciousness.
which is um, which is ultimately the way we're supposed to interact with reality. That's that's the the, the, the challenge of the sikar. Yes. With the faith in what? That there's a God who's greater or that the Jews are the legacy of God and they would assign that? At this point in time, it's all about that there is a God. That's Ikar number one. We're going to get to the rest of that as we go into the next Ikarim. The next Ikar itself, now this, this is why we expand. Okay, God, it's very important. We need to have God in the picture number one. But now it gets more complicated and more interesting. Okay, so now that you do have God, so now the next Ikar is the following. Let's, let's, let's move on. This is, to, this is today's topic. This, this is, this is uh, very fascinating. Um, um, and, and it sounds very esoteric, but it is absolutely practical. We're going to get to it in just a moment. The, the next Ikar is written in the Ramam himself and on page 5. Ikar 2, one and not what. So this is the way the Ramam words it in himself on the, in the top of the page. By Yesod Hashem, the second Yesod. That's his second Ikar, Akhtusa Yisale, which is the unity of Hashem um, who is elevated. That means that he is the, he, uh, that he is the cause of every everything in the world, not like the unity of one species or type, and not a composite being that's part of lots of ones, right? You know, lots of a company which has lots of different, you know, cells and therefore it's one because of that. And it's not like one body, which you say that's that's one one entity. Which can be subdivided. He is one with no parallel. When we say Shema, we're actually identifying this particular Yisod Hashem as one. He's told us what it's not, but he hasn't told us very easily what it is. You see, you see that? He's saying it's not like one when you say that, you know, this one individual. Not this one composite being. But he hasn't, it's very hard to understand from the Rambam. So what is it? What, is it? what does Achtus mean? Yichud. What does Yichud actually mean? Yichud means? Like unity, right? So Hashem is unified. So he's told us what it's not, but it's very hard to understand what the Rambam actually means. The way this translates in our Siddur is the following. We say, Ani Mamin. Is singular, but that's not enough. There's no other type of unity like him in the world. And he is one in time, both past, present, and future. The way we say it in Yigdal is one, but not just one as we translate one. One is there's no again the same. There's nothing else like him. So he is hidden, and there is no. Uh, and there's no end to his actus. Now, he seems to, both the Ani Mamin and the Yigdal seem to be bringing in the element of, of time. Do you see that? It brings in time into this, where there's a notion of Hoya Hoya a past, present, and future, and also in the Yigdal's Ein Sof so there's no end to, to his unity. Okay, so time, time is part of that. It means to say that part of what Yichud must mean is that over time, it has to be the same God. By the way, that's what Rashi says when it came to uh, Hamatan Torah. When it came to Matan Torah, Hashem, uh, Rashi says that he was like, a, like, like in, 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 in gentleness compared to the Ishmael Chomo at the sea. That, that the same Hashem was the one who broke down the sea and killed the Egyptians and then embraced Israel. And the, the point was to show that whatever interaction that God had at different times in history is all the same God. That's a very important. That's a very important part. Meaning, the different times you'll see the world in different modes are still. Ain't so I mean to say that there's still Hashem behind all of it. It's not that Hashem, you know, has has somebody else acting in this position. Yes. Ain't so could just be a measure of 
singularity. Okay, yes. Yeah, I, I was limiting to time. You're right. It's, it's more than that. It's more than that. It's beyond, it's beyond time, but that's, there's more than that to Yechud. It's not just beyond time. It's, it's, it's a little further than that. But let, let, let's take this further. Very simple game. We say, we say, every day, right? So, Hashem, listen, oh Israel, Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. So, let's play this very simple game. They do this in the SAT, it's a lot more, more complex level. We have to give the answer to them. So, if I tell you black, will you tell me? If I tell you down, happy, young, one, good. So, this is, this is the problem. So, when we say, this is the, when we say, what are we saying? One and not what? What are we saying when we say a, a, a yichud? Not more than one. Not many. Okay, so this, 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 is based on the pasuk we also read yesterday. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Echad is Parshas Vayeschalon, as we read yesterday. But Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad is modified by another verse in the parasha, and that is Ato Hares Aladas. This is the, as we read yesterday. Ki Hashem Hu Elokim Ein Od Milvadoi. There is nothing else besides for Him. When we say one, we mean to exclusion of anything else. That means to say. That no matter what you look at, whether it is a physical item, whether it is a phenomena, whether it is a, whether it is a historical phenomenon, there is nothing that you can point to in the world which is not God. You, you see that? That's a very powerful statement. When you say Hashem Lekan Hashem Echad, that means to say, that flat tire, right? Hashem Lekan Hashem Echad, he's there! He was sitting on the side of the road with you. Okay, that's what we're saying Hashem Lekan Hashem Echad. That's a very powerful statement. That's a very troubling statement at the same time. Why? Tragedy, right? So, that, so, so what, what's happening over here is, is what we're saying, what the Rambam is expecting and telling us to say is that Yichud means to say that when we look at the sum total of our lives and the full history, because our lives is a little blip on the radar, if you think about it in terms of world history, <laughs> there is only Hashem in everything. Now, listen, listen to, listen to the, 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 the one Sefer which deals with this on an incredibly profound level is the Sefer by the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim called Das Tvunos. Very deep sefer, very beautiful sefer, and he deals with yichud, and um, he presents to us five sets of people who struggle with this in different ways. And I think we can resonate. And in fact, if you look around carefully in society today, you could identify each of these five groups. I like to. He talks about the, fo- the following. I'm starting by the first arrow on the right in source eight. This is in Das Tuna section thirty-six. He says, "Hine ha First, first group of people who struggle with God being everywhere. So, you know what they do? They serve Avodah Zorah. So, they're different types. So you know what? God is here, but then what happens is He has deputies. You know, He has the, he has the Secretary of Finance, He has the Secretary of Energy, you know, and, and He has all these, He has a whole, He has a whole cabinet, yeah. and they're all in charge of the different things, and, and, um, and, and that's why, and that's why they, why they serve them. So therefore, that's why we speak to the cabinet ministers, because we know that God ultimately is not a micromanager. These are Ovid Avodah Zorah said. So he's actually not really, he's not really actually watching the game all the time. 
So therefore, we, we speak to the people who are in charge. Amina Bey is the other type of, uh, of, um, uh, of um, so, uh, idol worship is, you know what? It, it might not be that you know there's God and all his you know his deputies. Maybe in fact there actually is God and anti-God, right? There's the there's the power that that he, that is against him, um, right? There's the good one and the bad one, the, the power of heaven, the power of earth, the power of fire, darkness, right? There's the, you know when you go back to is there a good old Zoroastrianism that being killed up by the Iranians still, but you know when you get back to when you get back to good old Avodah Zarah, the powers of good and bad, right? And the fight between them. There's no such thing as, a, as, as one pole without an opposite. If God means absolute good, there must be absolute bad against Him. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin which talks about how there's this, there's, there's two forces within the body called Hurmiz and Ehurmiz. That's the power forces of good and evil that are in, that are in, 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 in it's a Greek concept within each um, which within each body. Now, um, what was that? All zero and coming it's from the same, exactly, same Mina, exactly. So, and by the way, with the Gemara at the time of the, ba- the Babylonian Talmud, one of the predominant issues they were dealing with was Zoroastrianism, right? The, what is called the ha- the Chavrei, Chavorim, were the were the Zoroastrianism, Zoroastrians, and it's interesting to see or how their philosophy finds their way into the Gemara itself. And and Ner Chanukah, there's a whole story about them. It's very fascinating. Be it as it may, what are they struggling with over here at the end of the day? What are these these folks, these Ovidavodazara, the ones who say that God's got deputies, or the one that says that there's this force of good and force of evil? What are they dealing with essentially? Is this is this very issue? Is is ultimately how can you say that you're such a thing as a Yehud? Because ultimately we see terrible things happening in the world. So if you have a few people to play with, then you can say, you know what? When that tidal wave happened, it was the bad guy, right? He took over at that point in time, and therefore that's how we can we we can point to it. They're struggling with the same issues of Yichud, and what they've done is they've created a system which allows them to deal with it um, in polytheism. However, it gets a little more subtle. Hadas Ashlishi, there's a third group of people. Hidas Hamon Anoshim. Most people think like this, says the Das Tvunos. Shechoshin Shedivre HaOlamazeh, Holchin Lefi Chukos Ativom Shedviah HaBaruchu Be'atachtonim. This world works based on nature. Vishtad Lusam Vacharitsusam Hua Mo'il, Vatslusam Hua Mazik. That therefore, if you work very hard and you get a good internship, you're going to get a good job. Right, meaning like it's all about well, however much you put in is going to be ultimately the only reason that you're ever going to get the right the right place. Sorry, the the pasuk which says later in Dvarim that it is my strength which brought me to this station. So they say, you know what? There may be a god. But ultimately, God, what did God do? He set up a good system of physics, right? And physics works not just in terms of the physical world, it works in the social realm, and it works in the you know, anthropological realm, and, that, and that's the way that, you know, that we'll call it you know, social Darwinism as well. And at the end of the day, that's the way the world works. So why? So when you look at the world and you're looking at bad and good things, so how do we deal with it? So why do bad things happen? Because, you know, well, that statistically, you know, some of the time that's what's going to happen, right? Because it's not that there's a, a force doing it. It's just that God set up the system. And ultimately, you know, you know, you have a bell curve and there's going to be the bad side and there's going to be the good side. And that's the way it is. That's the way that most people think, he says. Again, this is, this is precludes Yichud. Because ultimately what you're saying is, can you say, can you identify God there? No, you can say that God set the system in motion. But ultimately he's not there at that, this point in time. 
The fourth group, Hadas Arvi, Hidas Goye Ha'aretz. The people, the nations of the world say this. So, Oyrim, Chata Yisrael Vain Yeshua, Salabelu Kim Sela, Chasa Shalom. They say, you know what? It's, uh, the, we were the downtrodden brother. Israel had it, but they, they got mixed up and they were rejected, and that's it. And too bad, 2,000 years ago, God changed his mind. Right? This is, this is Christianity. Um, um, and to a certain degree, Islam. Um, Islam actually actually changes. <laughs> you know, it was Yishmael who went up on the arcade and the whole business, right? So, um, and then finally, I just to jump down to Adas HaChamishi, which is on the fifth arrow. And the fifth group is, Hidas Poishi Yisrael Oisam Shoyu Mechavnim El Koinam Mechavnim Limroid Boy. They know that there is God and they, and they rebel against Him. These last two groups travel us a little less. Um, these are the groups of people who disagree with God in various ways. The struggle that all of them are having is, the struggle of being able to say that everything in the world ultimately is Yechud. So he now, his rejoinder is the following. This is the second last line. Listen, listen how beautifully he says this. This is the second last line on the, on the page here. Eloi, hulevadoi, we know that, um, that Hashem is alone. Moshel Bakol, he controls everything. There's no other um, power against him. Elohu atzmoi bore hatov. Vuhu kini nakosov yotzer or. You know, when we say in Birkas Kriyashma, that's a euphemism of the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, which is, which means to say Yeshayahu was also bothered by this. But you know what Yeshayahu says? That God, HaKadosh Baruch ultimately is also behind that. Now, to the degree of the, the, the one-to-one correlation is not so clear. That's what the rest of the Dasa Tunis is about. But ultimately, what does Yeshayahu do? Is he, said, he is precluding all these folks, all these five groups, saying that, you know what? In the end of the day, it's all Hashem. Ani Hashem oise kol eile. Elo she'en afilu tachtov she'yi elo shlita ba'olam. There's nobody else. There's no deputy in the world. Da'ayinu she'en shum sar v'loi shum koach she'ni. K'moi she'chosu choshua avdeh avarazor. There's no other powers. There's no parallel powers. V'loi od elo she'hu levadoi mashkiach al kobriyos. Hashem is watching over all his creations. Hashkocha protest. This is to preclude what? This is to preclude group three, who said that Hashem set the, 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 the rules of physics into motion, and then he kind of left it and was sipping coffee watching us. And there's nothing which can happen in his world except from his will. There's no such thing as happenstance, nature, and he controls everything which happens and will happen in all of creation. This, ultimately, is what Yechud is about. This is a very, very powerful statement. So now, you're going to say, so well, how do we deal with evil? So the rest of the rest of the Das Tunis is, in fact, on that question. This is his introduction to what he's doing. What he's essentially saying is, I need to explain to you how it is that you can, in every history, in every moment, you can say, so if Hashem does create evil, did he actually do that? Or did he allow it? That, that's the question that, that he deals with. Did he create the, the evil there? Or did he allow the evil to... Is evil a... a uh, is evil a... Heeder, a lack of God's presence? Or is Heeder an action of God? And that's, and that's what, that's what uh, this comes down to. And it comes down back to that pasuk, Uboire Ra. Hashem creates evil. But ultimately... I, this, this is a much, much bigger topic. Um, uh, this is a much bigger topic. But the point over here is, is that what is expected of us when we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad is, is the re- this realization. Is, and this is a very hard realization to come by. But on a minimalistic level, 
when a person is uh, looking at one's day, there are many bumps in a day. Smaller, bigger, and we should, have, we should be saved from the bigger ones. But ultimately, between Shmaz, there's a lot of room to think about those bumps and say, you know, despite what happened and those detours, there was, um, I, I still validate um, that, um, that Hashem can Hashem Echad. Now, um, I, we don't, not going to have just, just enough time at this point in time to go into the response of the Rebush, which is very fascinating. We get into the next time about the place of Sphiros, right? So if this is true, then what does it mean that there's 10 Sphiros and the Mekobolim and who dive into particular Sphiros and how does that work in terms of Yechud? Very complicated question. Very interesting coming from the 1400s. But I would like to just, just close on a, on a more practical note with the following quotation, which is so fascinating. Listen to what, this is from a, this is from a book called um, six, uh, the constant, constant Mitzvahs. Do you know that there are six constant mitzvahs, which means to say that at any point in time, outside of the restroom, you're able to be thinking about this. And one of them is what's called um, Yechud Hashem. One of them is, is thinking about the singularity of Hashem. So listen to the way he describes it. What was that? Six constant Well, yeah, there, now people talk about it. The because one of them, he brings it up. But, it, but, but this is uh, described, this is the way he describes it in very practical terms. I think it's very meaningful. He says, people often remark, I could not learn today because I, got caught, because I caught the flu. Hopefully that's not often, but often people say that. Um, I had planned to dive in Mincha with a, a minion, but my child got sick and I had to take him to the doctor. I wanted to come to, to, on time to dive Yomi, but my car wouldn't start. Such statements are usually accompanied with thoughts, what a shame, I wanted to serve Hashem, but the circumstances in my life prevented me from doing so. When viewed through the lens of Yichud Hashem, such thoughts are ridiculous. If you, if you think that there are forces of opposition preventing you from growing, you, la- you then lack the awareness of the oneness of Hashem. There are no forces of opposition. Cold, sick children, the car trouble come from Hashem, and they were created to bring you closer to Him no, no less than your Siddur and your Gomorrah. Certain levels of perfection can be achieved, attained by davening and studying in Torah, and others can be attained when you are in bed with the flu or waiting in the doctor's room office with your child. There are aspects of your personality which will be refined when you learn how to deal with the frustration that, um, of the car that will not start. Yeah, I don't think he means kicking the wheel. Um, all, all these obstacles are from Hashem and they are, they are meant to help you grow, not to get in the way of your growth. If you identify them as struggles that you can overcome, they will help you attain perfection so that you can enjoy eternal reward. Furthermore, although we cannot compare car trouble with death, they do share an underlying principle. Just as dying our Kiddush Hashem means sacrificing the entire growth process, so too dealing with various obstacles that crop up may require, may require us to sacrifice the growth process for a day, a week, or for as long as Hashem wants us to. However, Yuchud Hashem should provide the confidence of knowing that these obstacles, obstacles also bring us closer to Hashem because every circumstance in life is meant to bring us closer to Him. That's a very profound... Now, this is a very hard thing to hear sometimes. Um, and, you know, nobody can prescribe this except for yourself. I mean, you, only a person themselves can adopt this. But what he's saying is such a very interesting way of looking at it as opposed to seeing our pristine life of service of God and then the rest of life, which is, you know, the slog work necessary to get there. What he's saying is, is that don't subdivide, don't su- your life into, into segments. Your whole life is ultimately serving God. And that means on the side of the highway, cranking up your car and the jack is also part of that service, even though it's not excelling at this point in time and having written and being ahead of the daf yomi or, you know, everything and all the kids' homework is done the next day. And that, okay, that, that's one element of it, but the rest of your life is also part of that, which is a profoundly paradigmatic changing. Where is it coming, uh, life changing? Where is it coming from? Because ultimately, Yechud Hashem dictates that Hashem is not just there when you're excelling. Hashem is there also 
in a times where it's not so easy. Here's what, an example he gives is the following. Many Muslim works, Mesut Shrine in particular, mention the need to set goals and track our progress in, re- ref- um, in reaching them on a regular basis. Indeed, it is doubtful that one can grow spiritually without setting goals and making proper plans to achieve them. We must be aware, be aware however, that we are not in control of our lives. We may find that our efforts are often being hampered from time to time, and we may find that our plans are entirely impossible to implement. We do not measure, master Yichur, if we do not master Yechud Hashem, we'll become frustrated when we are unable to reach our goals. And we may as well, bl- and we may well blame the obstacles or external forces. <coughs> Living with Yechud Hashem allows us to be at peace when our efforts are ruined because we accept each obstacle as a challenge or as a message from Hashem. We are secure in the knowledge that our efforts are not in vain. Each step along the way is guided by Hashem, who wants us to succeed and grow. Um, we know that the only true setbacks are those caused by failure to overcome the challenges or failure to, un- uh, to read the messages Hashem is sending. And he goes on, actually I didn't include the next paragraph, but he says in just a page over that, um, that therefore one needs to be careful when planning. When, one, when has, one has very, very specific and set expectations and plans, ultimately what you're setting yourself up for is, is that when, they're gonna, when there's going to be some deviation and life has that way of doing it, um, then you're going to be frustrated because you had a particular goal of the way you thought that you should be guarding your day and serving Hashem. And when that detour happened, you feel that you've been taken off the path. So he said, his suggestion is, is to, to be a little more lax about the expectations of your goals. You need to aim high, you need to hope high, but expect, expect a little lower because ultimately every part of that journey is going to be part of the Yechud. I think it's a very practical way of seeing this. And of course, he's dealing on a more simplistic level. He's not dealing with the bigger bigger issues of life. He's not dealing with the, we're talking about, you know, you know, doctor visits and there, there's, there's much more serious things. But this is, this is a model of perhaps of the integration of this. Yechud Hashem doesn't mean to say just looking in history, but it means to say on a day-to-day basis within our lives itself. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember the author of, um, I, I'll, I'll double check. I apologize. I should have put it into the notes. Um, so um, anyways, this, this is perhaps a, a practical application. I think that it's, it's worthwhile that perhaps when saying Shema Yisrael Hashem, I cannot, the, the reason, and this is this to end on this, is, is, is so important. The reason why we cover our eyes when we're saying Shema Yisrael is because we acknowledge that this is a very difficult task. The reason why we cover our eyes is because when you open your eyes and look at the world around you, there are so many contradictions to Yechud Hashem that it is an avoider to say Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. And that's a recognition which Chazal had, but nonetheless we still say it. Meaning we're going to spend the rest of our lives identifying and, re- and making relevant and saying and, and confidently saying, we know Hashem that you're one. And sometimes we're going to have to cover our eyes because it's very hard to see that. But ultimately that's the avoider of this particular ikar. And um, in Hashem, what we're going to do is we're going to continue next week looking at the Rivash about the Sphiros, which leads us, segues straight into the next one, which is the corporal reality of Hashem. Does Hashem have any manifestation within this world?